Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Impossible Podcast. If you've wondered where I've been, I've had a bunch of life things going on. Um, and up till now, I've been on the road for, I want to say, almost two years straight. And over that time, I've consolidated a bunch of different things in three or four different cities around the U.S. I've got stuff everywhere, guys. And uh, the last few weeks, I've been traveling around, shipping stuff around the U.S., picking it all up, and consolidating things from about four cities down to two, and uh, hopefully getting that down to one here pretty soon. Uh, on top of that, I had a bunch of things uh, taking care of the family, and I found literally 15 years worth of stuff at my parents' house as they were selling it. It's one of those things I thought I had gotten rid of most of my things. I did a thing a couple years back where I got down to 97 things, and I thought this was all the stuff that I had. And then I found out uh, my parents had a secret compartment filled with every single file and essay and any sort of note I've taken for the first 20 years of schooling that I did. So I've been dealing with all of that stuff and very non-exciting things, but they've been very useful at setting up a base and getting started and getting organized and clearing a lot of headspace for some growth uh, on the back half of this year in 2018. And so today's podcast, as we're kicking things back off, I'm going to do a little bit of a two-parter here. Uh, in the first section, I want to talk about some of the head trash. Uh, this is stuff that just is mental garbage that sits in your brain. If you guys uh, are an entrepreneur, you've got a side business, uh, you've got things in your life you're trying to do. A lot of people refer to this as just getting stuck. Uh, I called it head trash. I've heard a couple other people refer to it as head trash. And that's what I'm talking about, the crap in your head that keeps you from doing the things that you want to do. Uh, I'm going to be talking about some of the stuff in my own head that I've been dealing with lately, and then some strategies, three strategies that I've been using and learning how to deal with it. Then in the second part of the podcast, I've got an awesome update on our 777 project and Pencils of Promise school builds. If you guys haven't heard about this. This was the 777 project where I ran seven ultra marathons on seven continents and we raised over $190,000 to build seven schools with Pencils of Promise. Well, guys, the schools are starting to go up. So I'm going to talk about all of that, uh, what's going on with that in the back half of the episode. But before we get into that today, if you guys want to support the podcast, there's a couple ways you can do that. First of all, if you don't have an Impossible shirt yet, who are you and what are you doing with your life? Go check out ImpossibleGear.com. If you guys have been waiting to do something on your Impossible list and you need an excuse to go do it, go to ImpossibleGear.com, pick up your Impossible shirt, get it in the mail, and then go do the thing that you've been talking about doing. Go do the thing on your Impossible list and jump off a bridge, jump out of a plane, run your marathon, do whatever it is that you've been telling yourself you've wanted to do for a long time. Do something impossible. Take a photo, send it in. Also, I have to warn you guys, if you do get an impossible shirt, you might have spontaneous urges to go push your limits by doing a thousand burpees in a row or running straight up a mountain. We've had these things happen before, so I have to tell you that. But check out impossiblegear.com. Get the shirt. 
It's the most practical way to get comfortable while doing something uncomfortable and pushing your limits. So check out impossiblegear.com. Support yourself and support the show. Also, if you're trying to get stronger, run faster, recover from an injury, or just hurt less in general, check out movewellapp.com. Movewell is the best mobility app out there, and it gives you short, less than 10-minute routines uh, to do mobility work so you can get stronger, recover from your workouts, and make sure you're preventing injuries or rehabbing injuries. I built this app to help me deal with my injuries, and I think it's the best app out there if you're really getting serious about doing mobility work and taking care of your body. All right, that is it for announcements. Let's go ahead and jump on into today's two-part episode of The Impossible Podcast. All right, guys, so I've titled this Three Steps for Combating Head Trash. But before we get into the steps on how I'm dealing with head trash, I want to talk a little bit about what head trash actually is. And for a lot of people, this is the gunk that's sitting in your brain that is keeping you from doing the things that you want to do. Maybe you've been talking about doing something for a long time. Maybe you've been saying, hey, I really want to do that. But there's something in your head that keeps you from actually going out and doing that. It's head trash, it's crap in your head, and it's stuff that's keeping you from doing the things that you want to do. And I've been dealing with this on my own. Um, A couple different examples of this. One recently that I've had to deal with is the idea of too much freedom. And this sounds a little bit ridiculous, but Peter Shallard actually had a great post on this the other day. And this got me thinking about a lot of the stuff that I'm dealing with. And basically, he talks about one of the traps that entrepreneurs can fall into is that they're constantly chasing freedom. Uh, Jordan B. Peterson talks about this too. People looking for freedom, 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 rights, rights, rights. And what happens is you chase these this freedom. You chase uh, these rights. You chase these things so you're unencumbered by anything and everything. And what happens is that you find out (laughs) that it's actually not the goal. Like freedom, absolute freedom is not the goal. Uh, This has come up a lot in my life because I've gotten to the point where I've been able to travel and I've been able to do these things around the world and travel and do a lot of interesting, fun things that I never thought I could do. And one of the things that I've found is that Freedom, for freedom's sake, is is a little bit disappointing. In other words, what you want to be able to do is have the freedom to do something meaningful. What he says is you need to figure out a value that matters to you more than freedom. And he says the truth about life is that we're not meant to be utterly liberated from others. It's not good for us, and it does not feel good. So if you want to be happy and fulfilled, if you want to really achieve incredible entrepreneurial success or whatever success you're looking for, you need to figure out what it'd be worth accepting some bonds for. This hit home for me. This is one of those things that uh, I had been uh, chasing, not chasing freedom, but freedom has been very important to me ever since I had my day job. I said, hey, I want to get out of this. I don't want to be constrained by someone else telling me what to do. 
And as I got rid of that day job and I got rid of that boss, it became, <laughs> I don't want anyone to tell me what to do. And that came down to location. And then I was able to travel and not going to be hold, held down by a landlord even. And I'm just going to travel and be gone for two years at a time. And what I found is that there's something very liberating about that. There's, it's undeniable. It's awesome. It's great. But it also puts limits and it put caps on other things that you want to do, other things you want to grow, including being consistent with this podcast, with the site, with other things that we're launching. And one of the things that I've realized is that in order for me to grow the things that I want to grow and build the things that I want to build, I need to accept some sort of limitations on the freedom that I have. And that's not in a bad way. That's what I mean. That's not meaning that I'm doing all these things that I don't want to do, but it is saying that uh, you have to have some structure. And I think in the podcast I did with Jordan Peterson, uh, he mentioned something. And if it's not in the podcast, it's definitely in his book where he talks about at some point you're drowning in an ocean of freedom. And if you're just pursuing freedom, rights, and liberation from anything and everything, uh, you end up drowning in freedom because you're not channeling that anywhere. And so at some point, you need a little bit of structure. You need a little bit of, you know, some walls around you to build a boat <laughs> so you can go somewhere and you can go do something with that freedom. And you can have a lot of freedom, but you can't have unlimited freedom because you don't end up doing anything. And so this has been something that's kind of been rocking my world lately because it's been in my head and I'm saying, hey, you know, I don't want to do that because... Uh, I don't want to be held back by that, or I don't want to be held down by that, or I don't want to be in one place for too long. And the thing that keeps coming back over and over is that if I want to build the things that I want to build, if I want to do the things that I want to do, I need to have a few more constraints in my life. And so uh, that is why I am uh, not giving up. I wouldn't say giving up the nomad lifestyle, if you will, but I'm definitely getting a base. And I will be traveling from the base and uh, two years without a home, traveling constantly, uh, booking an Airbnb or a hotel every five to seven to 10 days um, really puts an upper limit <laughs> on what you're able to build and contribute and create on an ongoing basis. And so uh, that's been one of the things that I've been dealing with. The other thing that I've been dealing with personally is a little taste of success. I wouldn't say that I've been massively, hugely successful. I've done things that I never thought I would do, but I'm definitely not where I want to be yet. And the interesting thing about accomplishing some goals that you never thought you would do is that it's kind of easy to get complacent. And I think this is relatable no matter where you're at. But this is one of those things where I've been able to get away with coasting on occasions. And I don't like that at all. Uh, if you're not growing, you're dying. <laughs> and coasting is just another word for uh, dying without knowing it yet. You're just slowly decaying, but you're not paying attention. And so uh, this has been something that's been really easy for, for me to get away with coasting on a regular basis. And uh, I don't like it. And it's in my head. And I'm working on getting rid of it. And so those are two pieces of head trash for me uh, going on right now. Just this constant struggle for how much freedom is enough freedom versus how much freedom is too much freedom. And then the other idea of just uh, getting to a point where you've had enough success that it's kind of comfortable and realizing that that's not the end goal. 
and there's more out there and there's more on the edges. You know, when I when I first started writing the blog, I had never run more than a 5K. And I remember thinking I was going to do a triathlon, an indoor triathlon, because a marathon, I, I couldn't even imagine a marathon. I was like, you know, I'm not good at swimming. I'm not good at biking. I'm not good at running. But at least it'd be something different. At least I wouldn't be boring myself. And <laughs> and with a marathon, I just thought I was, you're going to be out there for hours and it's boring. And, you know, since then, I've been able to do marathons and ultra marathons and all sorts of other races. And it's really easy to say, wow, you know, like you, 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 you never thought you could get here. Uh, this is pretty nice. Uh, but then, you know, it's, it's constantly resetting the framework for, okay, you're not done yet. Where are the edges of, you know, your limitations right now? And how can we find ways to push that? So with that in mind, those are things that I've been dealing with. I'd love, I'm going to, say this again at the end of the podcast, but I'd love to hear what sort of head trash you guys are dealing with. Uh, but in before we get into that, I want to share three different ways that I've been using to handle and deal with my head trash, and maybe they will be helpful to you as well. Okay, cool. All right, guys. So the first step is get out of your head and into your body. And this is almost my first piece of advice for myself and for anyone who's dealing with uh, head trash or just living in your head too much and not experiencing life. And what I mean by this is that most people live in their head. You have all these debates in your head about why you can't do something, why something's difficult, um, you know, why you're scared of something or why something's too, you know, just too hard or, you know, you're not qualified to do it or, Uh, There's all these other reasons that you make up in your head. And in your head, they sound like really persuasive, interesting, and uh, reasonable reasons. You're like, hey, you know, that guy in my head, he's he's pretty persuasive. He's smart. Uh, But it's all a lie. And if you live it out in your head, you're never going to realize that. And so I always tell people to get out of your head and into your body. And the example uh, that I recently had was I had a zero day the other day. It was basically I did nothing for the first half of the day. Uh, I was getting pissed at myself. I was just clicking around. I was, you know, opening 400 tabs, doing nothing with them, closing them all, then reopening them, that type of day. And what I realized was I wasn't getting anything done. I needed to do something to get out of my head, get out of this this loop that I was stuck in and actually do something. And so I went to my tried and true trick, which is a cold shower. And it was, I want to say like two in the afternoon or something like that. So it wasn't time you normally take a shower, but I just went upstairs. Nice part about working from home, but went upstairs, took a freezing cold shower for about 10 minutes and just stuck my head under there and froze, froze all the, the terrible thoughts, the 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 stuck in the loop mindset and just got out of my head and into my body using a cold shower and I came out and one I was awake I was definitely paying attention and two I was no longer just living in my head I kind of shocked my senses into breathing into living into you know feeling the cold having that sensation and waking me up in a literal sense uh, so cold showers, I, I, I harp on them all the time, but you know, it's not just a good baseline for your day, but it can also help you in the middle of your day to kind of sort things out and reset yourself. And it works every single time. 
It's hard to be really mad when you're worried about freezing to death in a really cold shower. So if you're frustrated, if you're angry, if you know, you're just living in your head all day, that's an awesome little hack that I've been using actually in the middle of the day a lot more than normal. Uh, the other thing is do little things, and this is still on the you know get out of your head and into your body, but do little physical things that make you stronger. If you're having a hard time sitting down and writing that paper or sending out an invoice or coming up with a new proposal or responding to that email, that, that really important email that is probably the most important email in your email, email inbox, but it's so important that you're scared to send it. So you're, you're waiting and you're putting it off and (laughs) you end up, you know, waiting a week to respond to the most important email. You're waiting for the perfect right time uh, to send it out. Um, Instead of just, you know, living in your head and giving yourself excuses and uh, getting stuck there forever, do something physically that makes you a little bit stronger. And I mean, what I mean by this is do 10 push-ups. I was having trouble sitting down and writing a blog post the other day. And I just decided I wasn't going to do a blog post. I was going to do 10 push-ups and then I was going to do the blog post. And what happened was the 10 push-ups were pretty easy. Like it's 10 push-ups. But what happened was it created a string where one, it released endorphins because, hey, you know, you're doing push-ups. It feels good. Uh, And then two, you can take that action you just did and move it into something else. And what the push-ups are, you can do squats or, you know, pistol squats or anything you really want to do, handstands, whatever, planks. You take that action and then you get out of your head and you say, you know what? You don't have to think about push-ups. You don't have to think about squats. You don't have to think about, you know, what's the reaction to, you know, doing 10 squats. Like it's just, it's just an action. It's a physical action. It gets you moving and it gets you doing something productive. And then once you do that, you can string it into your next activity. And so once you've done something that makes you feel good and you say, hey, you know what? I didn't necessarily want to do 10, 20 pushups, but I did it. I feel okay. Then it makes it easier to do the other things in your life. And getting out of your head and into your body to do those things is one of the best ways I know how to uh, get rid of that head trash. Or even if it's you're not getting rid of it, at least bypassing and getting around it because uh, you're kind of hacking your way around it through something physical rather than trying to fight the war in your head. And if you do that, you're going to lose because that guy in your head, that girl in your head is really persuasive and they know you pretty well and you're probably going to lose. So if you can hack around it by doing something physical, I found I have a lot more success doing that. The second step that I have here is a little bit different but it's keep your promises to yourself. And what I mean by this is that most people don't actually keep their promises to themselves. A few years ago, I did a seven-day integrity challenge on the site, and it was one of these things that I did because I needed to do it for me. And what I challenged everyone was pick one action for the next seven days, just seven days, and do that action every single day for seven days. And the action, the, the goal isn't to achieve some crazy goal. The, the goal isn't to, you know, become super jacked in seven days or less. The goal is to commit to doing something for seven days in a row and to do it and to keep your promise to yourself, uh, to build some integrity and to learn to trust yourself. And so what this, what this does is that over time, uh, if you say you're going to do something and you don't do it, 
you know, it might not affect other people. You know, maybe you're really good at your job. And uh, when you tell your boss you're going to do something, you come through and you follow through on it. But when it comes to the stuff that you're going to do for yourself, you always say you're going to do something, but you never end up doing it. What happens is you don't end up trusting yourself. You innately don't trust yourself. You say, you know, I've, I say that a lot, but I don't really come through on the things that I say I'm going to do. And so what happens is because you don't trust yourself, you don't end up even doing it. It creates this negative spiral where you do less and less and less because you don't trust yourself. You innately don't trust yourself. And that reverberates throughout the rest of your body or your, the rest of your mindset and the rest of the things that you do or rather don't do uh, because you know you can't trust yourself. And so that leaves the breakdown in your actions later on. And so the best thing that you can do here is to keep your promises to yourself. Uh, if you make a to-do list for the day, stay up until it's done. Don't give up early. Don't make excuses. Don't let yourself off the hook easily. Keep your promises to yourself like you're keeping them to someone else. And when you do that, you start building up trust. You start your body, your mind, you as a as a human start to trust yourself more and it builds up spiral in a positive direction rather than a negative one. All right. The third piece of advice I've got here is brutal honesty and accountability. And one of the, this is, this comes right along with the too much freedom angle that I was talking about earlier. This is one of the things that I've dealt with where I got rid of a boss. I don't have a boss. So I don't have anyone to have to show up for. I know I have employees, I have people that work for me, and that's one thing that's, you know, I, I need to follow through on the things that I say I'm going to do for them, and that's been helpful. So I remember talking a couple weeks ago with my buddy Alan Perlman, and we were talking back and forth and talking about uh, some fun stuff and some business stuff, and I uh, joked about how I uh, was having trouble focusing and said something like, yeah, I'm having issues. And he said, quote, unquote, well, you've been having issues for a while. Then he sent me another text said, hearty har har. And he was joking. And uh, <laughs> I think he was joking. But it was funny. But it was also true. I've been talking to Alan for a long time. And it was one of those things where I realized I'd been saying something along those lines one way or another to him uh, more often than I should have without doing anything about it. And one of those things is just having brutal honesty and accountability. And I actually saw him maybe not even a week later and he's like, oh, I was joking about that, you know? And I'm like, yeah, but it was also, <laughs> it was also true. And this is one of those things where if you have too much freedom, uh, it can be, you know, it could be easy to not be accountable to a boss, to yeah, a, a spouse, a significant other, uh, an employee, uh, anyone else. Like if you, if you remove uh, all those uh, people that you're accountable to, you don't have to show up for anyone. And then you don't end up treating yourself in the way that you would treat other people. And so having this uh, brutal honesty and accountability and having people uh, that will straight up call you out on your ish is a really useful. And so Alan, I know you were joking, quote unquote joking, but it was actually really useful. And it was something where I was like, oh, that is a, that's a gut check and you need to look in the mirror and figure it out. But if you build up the intestinal fortitude to take feedback like that, you give people permission to call you out on your crap and be able to get over uh, the internal um, 
hurdles that you've got. And again, this is a thing where the best way to get rid of your head trash is by hijacking, by going around it, by saying, hey, I'm not going to live in my head anymore. I'm going to get outside of it. I'm going to move around it. And I'm going to do that by having someone else, uh, you know, do a reality check on me. And by having that, uh, it actually gets you, you know, again, out of your head into reality and uh, can help you kind of get rid of that head trash. So those are my three tips on getting rid of your head trash. Like I said, it's something that I've been dealing with a lot lately and I'm curious uh, what you guys have been dealing with. So again, quick recap, get out of your head and into your body by doing a cold shower, 10 push-ups, something physical that makes you actually use your body. Two, keep your promises to yourself. Do it in small ways first. Build it up over time and you'll build a positive spiral where you start to innately trust yourself and you'll have better results from that. And then the third is keep a door open to have brutal, honest, and accountability from people you actually trust. And even sometimes trolls, people, haters, whatever you want to call them, they actually have points. So building up the resilience to be able to take accountability, feedback, and criticism and do a reality check on your brain uh, and yourself in order to keep moving forward and keep getting better is a great way to kind of get out of your head and into life, into reality, and keep moving forward, okay? So that's the first part of the podcast today. In the next part here, I'll be giving you a little bit of an update on what's going on with the 777 Project and our Pencils of Promise school builds. All right, guys. So today's update is something I'm very excited about. Uh, if you guys don't know what the 777 Project was, it's a adventure and philanthropic challenge that I had uh, a couple years ago. Actually, I started a couple years ago to run seven ultra marathons on seven continents to raise enough money to build seven schools with Pencils of Promise. And last year, I finished that. I ran all seven ultra marathons on all seven continents. I think there's only seven people that have done that. I could be wrong on that number. It could have been updated, but I believe there's only seven people that have done that. And I'm the youngest. Uh, I, be I became the youngest person to do that. And along the way, uh, between all those races and all the stories, uh, we ended up raising a little bit over $190,000. And I think the number was actually $193,000 and change. Um, and that was enough to build seven schools in Ghana, Guatemala, and Laos and, with Pencils of Promise. And the way this works with Pencils of Promise is that uh, the races were run last year. They were finished. The, the fundraising was finished uh, last summer. And with all of that, uh, there's a lag. There's takes It takes time for Pencils of Promise to match communities with uh, donors and where uh, decide where each build is going to happen. And so while the fundraising had been done and the money had been raised, uh, they were still working on 
identifying the locations and the school builds, uh, both on need and you know just where logistically they could get uh, they could get materials. And so I'm really excited to tell you that we finally, well, almost a year later after everything's done, is we have a bunch of updates for you guys. I did a blog post a few weeks ago on uh, some uh, of the updates and going ons, but we have even more news now. And so the way this is working or the way the, the news that we have right now is that one school in Guatemala is finished. It's built, it's done, it's live, and it's got kids in it. Uh, we also have three other schools, two other ones in Guatemala that have broken ground, and then one in Ghana that has broken ground as well. There's updates on the site, and if you go to impossible.org slash pop, P-O-P, uh, I'll have all the updates there that you can access everything. You can see everything that's going on. But I wanted to read some of these updates that Pencils of Promise wrote for you guys and just to give you an idea, uh, you know, audio-wise of what's going on with these schools. And then uh, if you guys get to your computer or you want to pull it up on your phone, I'll have the links in the show notes that you can check this out. You can actually see the progress that's getting made uh, and, and see the befores and afters to see the impact that these schools are having. And so I'm just going to read the updates really quickly, and then I'm going to talk a little bit about them at the end. So uh, the first one that is finished is in Las Doncellas, Guatemala. And it says, prior to the partnership with Joel and Impossible, the Las Doncellas school had three provisional classrooms. One is located in a hallway. One is occupying a space that was originally created as a kitchen. And the other is a wooden classroom constructed previously by the community. These conditions were not only extremely unsafe for students, but they did not have a positive learning environment. Thanks to your support, POP and the Las Doncellas community were hard at work to complete the construction on a three-new classroom school. The new formal classrooms have allowed the students to learn in a safe environment that can withstand the increased number of students. The official completion of the school was observed with an inauguration ceremony celebrating the tireless work of the community. The hundreds of students that you're impacting through the Las Doncellas school are so excited to finally have a school that helps them reach their full promise and potential. So that's the first one that's built and it's live and has students in it already. The other three are currently in construction, and I'm going to read those to you now. So the first one is in Aldea El Virgel, Guatemala, and I hope I'm saying that right. But it says, previously, the Aldea El Virgel school had one formal classroom and three provisional classrooms. The provisional classrooms have walls made out of wood and makeshift floors made out of dirt. Because of the structural aspects of these classrooms, the provisional classrooms were inherently dark, causing difficulty for both students and teachers. In addition to the poor structural conditions of these classrooms, there are over 50 students trying to squeeze into these classrooms. The overcrowding was significantly concerning for student engagement, as well as unsafe for student safety. Thanks to your support, POP and the Aldea El Virgel community have completed construction on a new three-classroom school that now has the capacity to safely house all students. Community members, parents, and teachers were fully supportive of the project and contributed up to 20% of the labor and resources necessary to complete the build. Your support for the build now fosters an environment of educational growth and promise for the students of Aldea El Virgel. That's pretty cool. The third school that we have in Guatemala was actually built in partnership with Jesse Itzler. Now, if you guys remember Jesse Itzler from last year, Jesse is an entrepreneur. He is the founder of Marquee Jet. 
He was an investor in Zico Water, and he's a co-owner of the Atlanta Hawks. He also wrote a book called Living with a Seal uh, about when he invited David Goggins into his life and trained with Goggins for 30 days. And I've written about that on the site before. He's got a new book out called Living with the Monks about uh, going off the grid completely for 30 days. I'm actually doing a giveaway on the site later this week, uh, so be sure to check that out. But he has a group called We Do Hard Stuff, and every month he does a workout. He challenges people to do a workout. And then based on that workout and the number of people that complete it, he'll donate to charity. And so one month last year, we partnered with him, and we matched the funds that he donated, and we ended up building the seventh school together. And so this one is in Casario Pasin, Guatemala. And the update reads like this. Previously, the Casario Pasin uh, uh, school had three formal classrooms and two provisional classrooms. One of the provisional classrooms is made out of wood and has a dirt floor, while the other classroom has a wooden shed-like structure without walls. As a substitute for the walls, the community uses nylon to try and protect the students while attending school. These conditions hinder student engagement as well as pose a hazard to the safety of the students. With your support, POP, and the Casero Pasin community, they've broken ground on two brand new classrooms that will abide by technical specifications set up by the Ministry of Education in Guatemala to benefit pre-primary and first grade students. The community is hard at work progressing the school build, which will be celebrated with an inauguration ceremony upon completion. The students and community members are so excited to soon have a quality learning environment. And that's pretty cool. Uh, you guys will notice in some of these updates that some of these schools, they don't have floors. They don't have, the next one doesn't have windows. There's a lot of things that we take for granted in learning environments that if you go to this link in possible.org slash pop, you'll see the different updates that are happening and you'll see what these learning environments look like. I know for me, when I was growing up, the, the biggest difficulties I had with learning environments were that maybe I'd get the desk that had one leg shorter than the other, and so it would rock back and forth a little bit, and I'd, I'd make a lot of noise. Definitely didn't have to deal with being exposed to the elements, uh, having makeshift classrooms, having 50 people in a classroom that supports uh, you know, 15 or 20. Uh, it's, it's things like this that you don't really realize how good you have it until you see um, what other people are dealing with sometimes. And if there's anything that's fatal to your excuses on why you can't do something, uh, some of these photos and some of these, uh, you know, seeing what's going on on the ground in some of these other places gives you perspective on how to deal with your own stuff as well as, um, you know, being grateful for what you have and, and what what you're able to do for other people. And so the last update that I've got here, guys, is from Bagom, Ghana, and it's our first uh, school in Ghana. And this reads, currently the primary grade students from Bagom are learning in a pavilion previously built by the government. The structure has broken walls, no doors, and no windows. Because there are no windows, the students are disrupted by any type of weather condition. First and second grade classes are also experiencing overcrowding in a makeshift pavilion structure. These students, or these, these conditions are posing hazards to student engagement and learning as well as student safety. Thanks to your support, POP and the Bogom community have recently broken ground on a new four-classroom school that has the capacity and structural conditions to safely house all the primary students. The community members 
parents and teachers are fully supportive of the build and are contributing up to 20% of the labor and resources necessary to complete it. Your support will impact thousands of students throughout the lifetime of the Bagome Brotherhood Basic School. And again, this is one of those things where you don't realize uh, how good you you have it until you realize that some people, you know, some kids, little kids, elementary school kids, are trying to learn in an environment that doesn't have doors or windows, or that when they're in a classroom, the classrooms are so dark that they can't actually read the papers. They can't read their homework that they're supposed to do or the tests they're supposed to take. That when they get into rainy season, uh, which will happen quite a bit, the roofs are often made of tin. And so uh, if you've ever been inside a tin-roofed house, it gets incredibly loud and it makes it almost impossible to hear the teachers. And so when you realize that these are the environments that a lot of these little kids are trying to get a basic education in, and it's almost impossible for many of them to do so. Uh, it really puts a new perspective on what what a new school means to them. And so this was an adventure and a giving project, and the races were fun, and the travel was fun, and the challenges and the athletic aspects of it were really difficult and really challenging personally. But this is what it's all about. Uh, estimated 5,516 students are going to be impacted by what we were able to do. And so I just want to say thank you guys to anyone who donated, to anyone who paid attention, tweeted, followed along, or just kind of, you know, generally paid attention to what was happening. Thank you so much uh, for helping make this happen. Uh, Raised over $193,000. I could not have done it without you guys. You guys are incredible, uh, and you're making a real difference out there in the real world to thousands, literally thousands of kids, um, and giving them hope in a lot of these places, a basic education is actually impossible. And so you guys are literally making this possible for thousands of kids around the world. And I just want to say thank you, thank you, thank you one more time because it's really incredible. And like I said, the visuals to this are almost, you you get a sense for what's actually getting built. And so you can check that out at impossible.org slash pop, P-O-P. Uh, you can, I'll have more photos and uh updates there uh, as well. And I'll be also doing more of these updates as we get them in. We've got four schools that have broken ground. We have three more that will be coming. And I'm really excited to share them all with you guys. So thank you once again for everything, for paying attention, for uh, contributing, for donating, for sharing this. Uh, It's really awesome to see it start happening and going up and actually having a real impact on the ground. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Hey guys. So that's it for today's show. Uh, I know it was a little bit different than normal, but if you guys enjoyed this show and want me to do more of them, let me know. Also, if you enjoyed the podcast at all, please head over to Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, wherever you're listening to podcasts these days, and leave a rating uh, review. Five stars. It takes 20 seconds or less, and it helps us reach more people uh, that want to push their limits and do something impossible, and then do something in the world as well. So uh, hopefully we can do more uh, adventurous philanthropic things like the 777 Project in the future and give other people an opportunity to push their limits as well in different ways. Okay, so if you can leave a rating or review on iTunes, Google, Stitcher, that'd be great. 
Also, if you guys want to push your limits and knock something off your impossible list, go to impossiblegear.com first, get an impossible shirt, put it on, realize how comfortable it is, then go do something impossible, take a photo, send it in, and I'll feature you on the site. Okay, it's the most comfortable way to go do something uncomfortable. So get your impossible shirt, go do something impossible, and let me know about it. Also, check out movableapp.com, 10-minute mobility routines, so you can make sure that no matter how much you're training, you're doing a proper amount of recovery and you're taking care of your body so you can actually go out and do the impossible things that you want to do. You got to take care of your body first. Mobility is the best way to do it, and this makes it as painless as possible. It's also a free app, so you really don't have any excuses, okay, guys? All right, that's it. If you guys want to follow me on Twitter, or Instagram, or anywhere, I'm at Joel Runyon. You can follow Impossible HQ on Instagram and Twitter at ImpossibleHQ. And that's it for today's show. I will see you guys here next week. I'm interviewing Steve Tidball of Volaback.com. They're the coolest adventure apparel company in the world, in my opinion, and it's going to be awesome. So I'll see you here next week, same time. And until then, keep pushing your limits and do something impossible.